Hey, welcome to Show People on the 10th Voice. I'm Michael, I'm Michael Grayman Parkhurst, and here at Show People, we celebrate LGBTQ plus theater artists here in Kansas City and around the country. I am joined by the fantastic 10th Voice producer, Una Nowling. How are you doing? I'm doing good today, uh, trying out a little bit of cosplay along with my co-producer, Fiona, who is doing also... Is that cosplay or just you being you? It's me play, but I am wearing a very spiffy uh, sort of teal almond blossom tie in honor of spring and the Sakura oh, season. That's a nice tie. I and love I'm, that. I'm halfway towards becoming Miss Kobayashi's dragon maid. So Is that what it is? Yes. I was going to ask you. Again, what is it? Uh, <clears throat> Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, but I still need the wig, the horns, I need a better bow, I and need a better tile. I oh. don't know if I want to rock the tail, because you can't sit down with the tail. You can't be a true dragon maid without a tail. We'll work on that. We'll find a way to get you set up. What are you two doing today? Um, on this beautiful day. After this, working. Um, I may go to uh, underground nightclub that I can't talk about on the radio earlier tonight. Uh, I'm not sure. Yes, apparently there is a bad publicity. <laughs> yes, there is. Scary publicity. <laughs> I am so excited because uh, today I am celebrating in studio once again with my friend Tim Bear. Uh, Tim Bear is producing artistic director of Theater in the Park, the largest outdoor community theater in the country. Leaving Kansas for New York as a young artist, Tim performed in the 42nd Street European Tour and then toured with Jody Benson in My One and Only. He has served as artistic director at both the Millbrook Playhouse in Mill Hall, Pennsylvania, and the American Musical Theater of San Jose. Moving back to Kansas in 2010, Tim, his husband, Alan, and his daughter, Sophie, live in Overland Park, Kansas. Welcome to show people, Tim. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Very good. Thanks. You're, you're, wait, you have a busy, busy weekend. You just opened a show last night. Oh, my night. goodness. Just last night. Yeah. Sparkle Tones Sparkle opened our Tones. first show of twenty, our 53rd season, 2022. So it's by local playwrights. Some people may recognize the name Krista Eiler, uh-huh. also known as Funky Mama in the in the I don't know, the pre-grade school set. <laughs> yes, it? there you go. Right. <laughs> and Barb Nichols. So local playwrights, oh, local. Barb. Yeah, really, really fun. Opening night was good. It's a new show, right? Tell, tell me about Sparkle Tones. Brand new. Mm-hmm. It's it's based on, it, no, it's inspired by the life of Krista's mom, who was a member of a Sweet Adeline's group, a singing group, a quartet. And the story really kind of takes you through 30 or 40 years Um and they used letters that everyone wrote back and forth for years and years. I think it's called a red round robin letter writing group. Okay. And so the story is based on some of those stories. Uh, Krista's careful to say it's inspired by her mother's story because things happen in the story. I think that did not happen in real life. Okay. Yes. Sure. <laughs> but, sure. So and there are two sisters in the group, and then two other women, and one fellow in the show. And it's just a sweet, sweet, delightful story. Great music. Really fun story. And and it's doing really well for us. It's really great. 
Really fun. Did she co-conceive it with Barb Nichols, or is Barb directing it, or did they join this join this together? She did. So they tell it. Uh, Barb says, "Well, Krista called me and said my mom found all these letters, and I think there's a musical in there somewhere." Yep. So <laughs> they started thinking about it. You know, they'd written a show previously called Overture, which they took to the New Works Festival in New York City, and they won the award. I think it was the Audience Choice Award for the best you know, show of the the festival. And just toward the end of that is when it started. And she said, you know, hey, let's start thinking about this. And so they started writing it. I think it was like the last week they were in New York oh, or New something. York. Yeah, so that's you know, what else? Years, Let, yeah. We're in New York. Let's write another one while we're here. So, uh, so yeah, together they did it. Krista, mostly I think Krista the music, and then they collaborated on the lyrics and then the book too. So they're both got their fingers in it. I'm planning on seeing it. How long is it running? Um, let's see, this weekend, next weekend, and then the following weekend. Uh, we close April 3rd, I think. Close April 3rd. Okay, yeah. and where, where can you get tickets? Theaterinthepark.org. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. Great. I can't wait to see that one. You were, you were born in Kansas, right? I was. Kansas City, Kansas. Wyandotte County. Went to Wyandotte High School. I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. I'm a Kansas boy. Nice. Do you remember, what was that moment when you became interested in theater? Um, it was somewhere around uh, very, very young. I don't really even know how I found out about it, but my mom took me to this place that had a, there were auditions for this little musical, and it was called Santa's Elf Saves Christmas, something like that. And it was, <laughs> it was a pixie that helped Santa save Christmas. I really don't remember the story much, but apparently it worked because, as I know now, Christmas is still around. Um, and uh, it was just bizarre because it was in the back of an old A&P grocery store that had turned into an antique mall. But for some reason, there was a theater in the back. And this it. is in Wyandotte County? Yeah, I think, the, okay, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I was so young that I really can't remember. But part of being in it was, well, not only, you know, you had to learn your lines and stuff, but you had to supply your own costume. So <laughs> I remember <laughs> my mother going to the store and buying a, a, um, a, a roll of green felt and I laid on the floor, and she drew around me and cut it out and made an elf, elf <laughs> costume. <laughs> but then you also had to procure in some way, I don't even know how, but we got one, a fake Christmas tree, because there were lots of Christmas trees all over the stage for this show. So you had to get your own costume, had to learn your lines, and you had to come up with a fake Christmas tree. And, interestingly, that the role that I played was named Patty the Pixie, and it was spelled P-A-T-T-Y, but... I was so convinced that I should have it that after the auditions were done, I made my mother let me go back in there and say, now, I, I think that this is probably a role for a girl because it's spelled P-A-T-T-Y, P -T -T -Y, right? and I really think you should consider a boy. So if you needed to, you could change it to P-A-D-D-Y. I was very convincing. You knew. You I, knew. I, there was no question. You're like, this is, this is my role. <laughs> this is it. This, this is it. <laughs> and we're going to find that fake Christmas tree, I'm telling you right now, for sure. <laughs> so that was, I think that was the bug there. There, I got bit there. It was a long, long time ago. Oh, were you yeah. able to do, did you do theater in the high school? Was there a theater program at Wyandotte? You know, there was, and I, yes. And there was whole thespian troupe and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I recall us doing one show there. And then I recall we were going to do a dinner show theater there, but then that got canceled for some reason, and I don't really remember why. So, But I tell you that my fascination really 
in high school was the theater itself. I went to Wyandotte High School, as I mentioned, and it's a big, gigantic, monster building and has huge architecture. And it had this enormous auditorium with a gigantic fly loft in it. And and it was very, very old. And I recall that, like the things backstage, like dimmers and electricity and all that stuff, you know, it was this giant wall just with these big, monster looking i don't know levers and you would pull the levers up and down it Uh was very like i don't know busby berkeley vaudeville kind of world like that and there were like four or five things hanging in the fly loft and they all came down and they made this big park scene well i was just enamored by it it was so magical and so amazing and i recall too when i was in grade school we went there it was the time that in my childhood the pta would um, sponsor a musical of some sort. I don't even know where it came from, but I do remember we went and saw uh, that Disney cartoon, Salakadoo, Cinderella. Cinderella. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, 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 well, they yeah. did it on stage, and uh, for some reason, we went in grade school, but the best part of it was my grandparents had gotten me the album of the Disney cartoon uh-huh. that had an insert that had all the lyrics on it. So I got to write down all the lyrics because the song was in the show and you could sing along if you knew the lyrics so i just wrote it all down and on a piece of mimeograph stuff you know that weird mimeograph paper and took it back and they ran off copies for our whole class so i was extremely popular we knew the words to salakadula yeah (laughs) that's incredible this conversation has gone way down a road Uh, that i'm sure you never even imagined but i love i love the idea of the magic of theater the first time you go in a theater and you sort of see the inner workings of how it completely not as much of what was on stage at first but just again theater as a a whole yeah and what yeah the mechanics the mechanics of it the creation of it the the lights getting dim and getting bright and just just all of that magical stuff that you know is so second nature to us all now but it's so interesting and you knew it was part of you then yeah right yeah um i always like to ask my guests this because i i feel like as young artists there often seems to be an older artist that inspired us mm-hmm. along the way whether it was like um a teacher director artistic director um mm. who was your guide did you have a guide you know i tell you i think really for me it was really about those Sunday afternoon or very late Saturday evening movies. The mm-hmm. Fred Astaire, the Ginger Rogers. I know you've heard that a million times, you know, people talking about that. But Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Donald mm-hmm. O'Connor, just those kind of, it, it really, I think, began my love of production value, right. you know, and just an early acceptance of, yes, of course, you can burst into singing song and dance in yeah. the middle of yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that was really my inspiration where we're, was looking looking at those those kinds of movies that kind of production value that kind of just well you know as well as i do fred astaire ginger rogers that kind of dancing that gene kelly look mm-hmm. that all of that stuff was just i it was just mesmerizing to me i just loved it it most recently i've seen online this this conglomeration of movie clips put together with different kind of modern music and stuff. I don't know. One of them might have been Uptown Funk or something, uh-huh. you know, Bruno Mars and stuff. And they've got all these clips of old dancers to the tune of Uptown Funk. Oh. It is just. Oh, I need to see that. Amazing. Oh, my God. Did you watch it's it? so I, I've, great. I've seen it. It's really stunning how well it's uh, synchronized to the music. It's just amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just in all kinds of dancers, of yes. all movie musical genres. It's just, it's really amazing. And 
later in my life, fast forward, I don't know, 30 years or so, um, the Nichols brothers are in Mm -hmm. it, you know, the old tap dancers. And I danced with the dance company in New York for the entire time I was there. And I actually got to dance with them. They came when we were doing the Lindy Hop and some other stuff, and we danced with them on stage. So just that kind of connection through time and is just so interesting and was so inspiring to me. Well, so that it's would have been cool. your first impression of tap dancing too, seeing exactly Gin, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, Fred yeah. Astaire. Yeah, reverse way back then to, I don't even remember what it was for, something at junior high school, but I needed a pair of tap shoes and I didn't know anything about tap dancing or tap shoes or anything else. And my mother, God love her, my favorite phrase my mother always said was, well, how hard can it be? And so how hard can it be <laughs> well mom it can be hard <laughs> however let's let's figure out some tap shoes well she figured well what are shoes but tap shoes but shoes with taps, shoes on, with it. taps on them so yes. we went to the to the goodwill or salvation <laughs> army and got a pair of old brown loafers and for some i have no idea how she even found it but and then went to another store and found some shoes that hold, had tap shoes taps on the bottoms of the shoes but they were girls shoes but we just took them someplace and got them taken off and put on the bottom of some brown loafers just you know 1970s (laughs) prom loafers really (laughs) there you go so is this you saying i want to do this i want i would like to tap dance yes give me okay there was something i can't really remember it's been too long michael there was something that we were doing a show that required some some little tap thing or something in it and and i decided i wanted to do it you know and at that time gosh it was in junior high school we also did a play there but i can't remember what it was <laughs> but like i think i must have volunteered and said oh i'll do it I'll all right, do right. It. yeah you know, jump in and then oh mom p.s we need tap shoes <laughs> let's go to the goodwill <laughs> Did, was there a place where you were going to go and take classes for tap? There was not. There was not. There was a, I had an old videotape, proper old videotape of, um, gosh, I can't remember what, even what movie it is. It was a Fred Astaire movie, but, and I would make it go frame by frame and watch his feet to figure out what he was doing and then mimic that. And then later, later, later in my life, um, there's a, a grand woman here in Kansas City named Shirley Marley, mm-hmm. who owns a dance studio. Mm-hmm. And I and I spoke with her and said, Shirley, I, I want to take some tap lessons. And she said, well, I don't think you need tap lessons. You, you're tap dancing. And I said, yeah, but I need to know what the steps are called. Yeah, I need to know if somebody says, do this, 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 and this to do it. And she said, okay, well, I'll, yeah, okay, well, come here. <laughs> you know, just you listen, do it, and I'll tell you what the steps are. So, God love you, Shirley Marley. Shirley Marley. We are here with the wonderful Tim Bear, and we will be right back after break. Welcome back to Show People on the 10th Voice. I'm Michael Graham in Parkhurst, and we are here with producing artistic director Tim Bear of Theater in the Park. So, Shirley Marley. When did you meet Shirley Marley? Oh, my goodness sake. You know, I think my first show at Theater in the Park when I was an actor, dancer, or singer, that kind of person, was like 1984. So it was sometime around that, around that time, really. I hadn't really grown up around people in my in my life really there were not a lot of people that were dancing people dancing studio people all that business although i will say that up the street from where i lived when we grew up um hilltop dance studio was there and the people that owned that it's an old studio that was in kansas city and i can't see kansas and i don't even really know that it's there anymore but that family lived just a few doors up from us on my street and it's so bizarre to me that that never translated like why didn't i ever say to them uh, where maybe I should come and learn yeah, how to right. do this and not stand in my basement with a with a, a videotape learning how to shuffle ball change by myself on a concrete floor in a pair of brown loafers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. really, the whole thing. 
So, yeah. Uh, it was probably around then, eighty four maybe. And she had already had mil- she already had her dance studio, right? I can't remember when. That oh was goodness my, sake, that was yeah. Seven, yes, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. been around right um, for many many decades for sure. Lots of lots of talented, successful, brilliant dancers have come out of Miller Marley. Mm. It's amazing. So, was there at some point where your mom said, "All right, let's go into Kansas City Overland Park and let's let's find some <laughs> things for you to do." <laughs> Right? God love her. No, she did not. Okay. Okay. Yep. I, I probably would have been a lot further or done a lot. My career path or my life certainly would have taken a different path completely had she ever done that, you know. But after high school, I went just away to college, Graceland College, actually, a very small college okay. that my dad went to up in Iowa, just okay. over the border in Lamoni, Iowa, and decided I was going to be a theater major. And honestly, that was really because I had just been involved in theater in high school. And, uh, you know, frankly, I'm quite lucky that I've ended up where I am because mm-hmm. there was not any real definitive direction of, of any kind, really. Right. You know, I think it was like the day after graduation from high school, and my mom said, are you going to go to college? What are you going to do? <laughs> like, um, okay. Okay, well, uh, this is what I love. So, right. <laughs> yeah, nowadays, you know, people go to visit 29 colleges and decide what they're going to do with their life and for me it was just like partly i think it was really about i need to leave kansas Mm -hmm. and and get out of my parents house but it was just by default theater was the major and i was really more honestly of a technician as a td set painter construction guy all that kind of stuff in college but we had a very very small department there may have been i don't know 12 or 15 theater majors so Mm -hmm. you know you kind of had to play double duty all across all the, the board for sure and often as a freshman you you have to dive into the stage crew and the backstage as oh well. to learn yes. that anyways oh you get relegated to taking the trash out and all this business right. but you know i think like anything once anybody realizes that you have some talent whether you're trained or not you know it may just be natural talent the moment they just they can recognize that in you then they snatch you and put you someplace that they really need help with right but i was really you know i kind of used to look back and think wow if i'd have gone to a to a larger college or a larger, you know, like CCM Cincinnati or New York City or, you know, some of those big kind of performing arts schools or something, then my my life would have been completely different. But what I've really found is that as a director, as a producer, it has served me well to have been up to my neck in every aspect of theater mm-hmm. through those college years. You know, I really oh, yeah. got to experience it and that was really good for me. Especially later becoming an artistic director and, you know, running a theater company, which we'll, we'll totally get to, yeah. too. Like, <laughs> so when you were at Graceland, did you come home and perform it, perform? Did you, is that when Theater in the Park came into your life or was that before that? Well, I graduated in, wow, 79, 1979, <laughs> a long time ago. And I, um, I was really lucky and got cast in an amusement park song and dance show for my first summer. I didn't come home for any summers during college. It was a place called Boblo Island in the Detroit River between Windsor and Detroit. It was this really amazing little, like amusement park on an island. And you had to get there by catching a showboat in Detroit. I know, right? Wait, what what was it called again? Boblo Island. Go figure. Boblo Island. Okay. I know. And so there was this great big space that they had there, and they decided they were going to have a song and dance show. And the guy that was the producer happened to be a teacher 
at my college, so uh-huh. they had auditions. Okay. So we went, and we lived in this little town in Canada, right over there by Windsor, it, for the summers that I worked there at Boblo and the island. And you know, it was the it was the crazy amusement park show that you did like six or seven yeah. shows a day. Yeah, they were forty minutes long or something, and you know, my waist was ten inches around. <laughs> You know, one quarter of what it is now. Oh, yeah, I did so, Hershey Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sweating and sweating and eating cotton candy every day. And it was just <laughs> fabulous. So <laughs> so I did that during that time. And I really didn't I really didn't get to theater in the park until 84. So that was after I was out of college and was back home again. It was interesting. And theater in the park uh, started in 1970 right. at, uh, on a tiny little wooden stage in Antioch Park. And then it got so popular that I, as I understand it, this is anecdotal, of course, but the neighbors were like, oh, it's fabulous, but you're too loud. You have to move. <laughs> so your space away yeah. from things. We love theater out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Please go there. Right. And so we uh, moved out to a little small lakes area in Shawnee Mission Park, and it just kept growing and growing. It was really at the, during the advent of that outdoor theater stuff. You know, there yes. used to be outdoor theater in Loose Park. There was some downtown at the community college down there, mm-hmm. you know, on Southwest Bull, Southwest Traffic Way down yes, there. right. And it was all around that same time, really. And so it was not really until, oh, oh Theater in the Park, the facility we're in now, opened in 1980. So it was just shortly after that, four years or so, that I got... You know, I was on stage at Theater in the Park then. And what was your first show there? My first show was Applause, uh-huh. made uh, Lauren Bacall, you know, that yep. was a Lauren Bacall vehicle. You know, that crazy story about the understudy waits yeah. for the leading lady to break her leg or something. But yep. in that story, I think actually they like drain the gas out of her car or something. So she sure. can't be on stage. Yes, <laughs> and she takes over. But um, it was directed by Dudley Hogue, who I know is still around town here. Um and I played the hairdresser, and as I recall, I just was in a lot of scenes with a wig, and I just kept brushing it <laughs> over and over again, which is just crazy. And there were some big dance numbers and stuff in it, you know, and and that was my introduction to, to Theater in the Park. To Theater in the Park. Yeah. Applause. What an odd show. And I think we've never, ever done it at Theater in the Park again. I'm not sure if people do applause. No. I, I'm not sure. Well, you can't hope to get a hairdresser as good as me. Right. Why bother? Well, why bo- you why even trying? bother? <laughs> Once you've seen that. <laughs> At some point while you were here, you also started choreographing there. Were you, were you performing did. for a while? Was this before you left? It is. The first show I choreographed at the park was Oklahoma in 1989, I think, 88 or 89. And incidentally, the woman that is the co-writer of Sparkletones, Barb Nichols, was the director. That was her first job directing at Theater in the Park. So she and I have a very long history together. And Oklahoma was the first show that I did at the park. And a good friend of mine, well, my dearest and oldest friend, Marsha Muller, who was a vocal teacher for many, many years at Blue Valley High School, yeah. um, saw that show, and she wanted to do Oklahoma the next year. So she stalked me and found me. So one theater in the job, one theater in the park job led to the next Oklahoma job at Blue Valley High School, and we did it the next the next year, too. Yeah. You've told me before that it was like, the, you know, I was a, a Kansas boy that was eventually ready to get out of kansas yeah. um is there any other kind is there any other no offense <laughs> <laughs> no offense to kansas no or kansas city of course not at all um when did when did your when did your travels to new york happen? oh my goodness sake let's see so after college then 
there for a while. Well, after that, at some point, I'm not terribly good at keeping decades together mm. and years of time stuff. It's really more kind of what show was I doing at the time and yep. where was I in the world That's when I was doing it. Um, I worked on a ship, actually. I um, was here and a friend of mine that had been in Kansas City was on a ship and they lost their tenor. Their tenor got a really great job and left the ship. And she called me and said, we need a tenor. Do you want to come do it? And I think that was at three in the afternoon. And by nine o'clock the next morning, I was on a plane headed to L.A. to meet the boat and the ship. Pardon me. All captains out there. Um, (laughs) The ship. And to learn the show, I had two or three days to learn. Well, we had three shows on that ship. And I was signed on. He... He left. The fellow that left left after about a week and a half because okay. he got a real good gig. And so I, you know, joined the ship then for a six month contract. And I think I told you before that I have literally seen the world because I could tap dance and was a tenor. Mm-hmm. Really, that was right. that was what propelled me around this globe. It was brilliant. And I was in for a six month contract. By the time six months were over, I was loving it way too much and said, gosh, I'd like to stay another six months. And then about month 10, I was like, get me off this boat (laughs) right now. I've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) But I have, I've, I've seen so much that I never, I just never would have done. I wouldn't have had the opportunity, couldn't have afforded it. And it was really because I can bark out a show tune and tap dance really fast. It was great. And where did this cruise take you? What were some of the oh places you Well, I got on uh, the ship in L.A. and we went down, you know, through Central America and then South America and went back up and went through the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. Then we went over to Africa and in through the Mediterranean, up through Scandinavia. And that took half a year, yeah. just all of that. And then we turned around and came back. So, you know, I've seen those, all those That's giant incre- sections of the world. That's truly. incredible. It was amazing. And I think one of the best parts about it was, well, obviously I was getting paid to perform, which is really great, you know, but we would do turnovers or the boat would get to a port that we were going to unload the passengers and get a new group of passengers. Uh And that would take about three days. So I, I was probably in Venice 12 times for three Mm. days, or I was in, you know, Copenhagen, how many times or St. Petersburg or, you know, fill in the blank, just wherever we were. So it really gave us an opportunity to, to get off the ship, yep. not just see what tchotchke you can buy on the dock, but, you know, buy a train ticket. How far can I get? I'm, I need to be back here. The boat's leaving mm-hmm. at 5 o'clock on two days from now. Don't miss it, P.S. So how far can I go? You know, where can I, what can I see? How, what can I experience in the world? And that was, that really then became an, ex, uh, an extension of that also became when I went on tour, I was in Europe on both the tours I was in, and, and in, specifically I chose, I really wanted to do that, and we would always sit down for weeks at a time. I was never on one night or split weeks and stuff like that, so right. we really had the opportunity to get to understand culture and experience Venice just beyond, you know, St. Mark's Square. Right. It was really, mm-hmm. it was lovely. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then so, um, when you when you got off the ship... <clears throat> When, you got off the boat. when I got off the ship, then let's see. I think I did a production of, oh, and this was a Shirley Marley thing, actually. Someone called Shirley Marley from the Royal Uptown or the Crown Uptown Dinner Theater in Wichita, which I don't even know if it's there anymore, but okay. they were doing a production of um, Fiddler, and they needed 
a fellow that could dance and keep a bottle on his head. Uh-huh. Yes. And yes. I think <laughs> that was the most important part. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> I don't it's really care what else remember. you can do, yes, but can but you keep a bottle on your head? Yes. And and I could. Who knew? I really didn't know if I could, but I think it that Shirley Meyerly let me know, hey, why don't you call these people? So I did that. I did uh, Fiddler on the Roof then, and, and then apparently it was like, okay, I can do Fiddler on the Roof. I've got to go to New York. I don't know. <laughs> can do this in any production of Fiddler on the Roof, which Truly. everybody does, right? Yeah. And much like, um, you know, just falling into theater out of high school, there wasn't any plan. I mean, there wasn't any kind of like, you know, I'm going to work for a solid year and save every single cent right. I have, and then I'm going to go to New York. Hmm. No, I decided I wanted to go there and got this weird temp job downtown at Hallmark as the administrative assistant to the vice president of the stuff that they serve on the counters at Hallmark, you know, the, like the little tchotchke stuff. Uh-huh. And it was weird. It was like during the time when computers weren't really computers, they were black screens with green letters and you kind of had <laughs> yes. to like fake your way through. Or at least I did. I didn't have any clue. So I worked there for two months and then finally realized, you know, I was never going to have enough money. And I was whining to my parents about it. And God love them at the time. I didn't know anything about it. But one day I went home and they said, come here, we have something to talk to you about. Well, we got you this life insurance policy from Gerber Baby Food when you were born, and it's come due, so we can cash it out. We have to pay $50 to cash it out, but we did. Here's $950. Go to New York. What? I mean, I honestly, go to New York. <laughs> a crazy cardboard, you know, in a suitcase, $950 later. And one of the women that I worked on the ship with, her name was Robin, lovely human being. She was on a gig someplace, got a show, My Fair Lady someplace. She lived in Queens in Forest Hills. I called her and said, oh, my God, I'm coming to New York. And she said, oh, my God, I'm not there. But you can stay in my apartment for three months. I was going to ask. Honestly. It's like, always about that. Like, where am I going to stay? Can I afford to stay there? Oh, wow. Yep. If you're 16 yep. right now listening to this conversation, and please don't take away from this, don't make a plan. It's just someone was smiling on me from someplace because after that, at Forest Hills, it was great. It was right by the subway. I could get into town, yep. all that stuff. And weirdly, one of the other women I worked on the boat with, the ship, uh, danced with a dance company in New York called Foot and Fiddle Dance Company. Uh-huh. Pat Cannon, hello if you're listening in New York. It was an American tr- traditional tap dance company where we also did clogging and Irish step dance and English sword dance and African boot dancing. It was all about feet and rhythm and all that stuff. Come to find out, she said, call Pat when you get there. I called Pat. She said, well, I just lost a guy. Can you come uh-huh. audition? I mean, it was like day two, Michael. What on earth? Here's a Gerber yep. baby food. Here, that's fine. Take your suitcase. Go. Be in a dance company. It was crazy. Yeah. Everything just lined up. I, You know, if there was any... Any of me thinking, am I doing the right thing? Well, the answer just kept being yes over and over again. So, And I danced with that dance company on and off when I was not on tour. I'd come back and Pat would have gigs for us. Yes. We did lots and lots of arts and education stuff. We'd travel. Oh, my God. I've seen every cafetorium in a grade school in Connecticut and New Jersey and New York over my time dancing with them. But just had the best time and met so many beautiful wonderful people doing it it was terrific and you got to dance with them about 10 for about 10 years yeah. on and off right oh yeah which is oh, yeah wonderful to have that to come back to it was terrific yeah pat i'm leaving i've got this tour i'm going to be gone i think eight or nine months okay call me when you're back and i would and she said great you're on the roster let's go can you what are you doing tomorrow we're gonna go to hartford tomorrow see you at 7 15 in the cafetorium like i'm there yeah to this day, I need new hips because of it, but, you know, 
<laughs> tap shoes on concrete cafeteria floors. Oh, it's, dear. It's what you do. Yeah. It's what you do. Well, at the time, you know, you think you're made of rubber. What, what can hurt, you know? Do you remember when you got that 42nd Street tour? Oh, my goodness. I sure do. Mm. And uh, ugh, it was, I think, as I recall, because it happened again, the audition for that tour was in the dance rehearsal studio at Radio City. So it was the Rockets uh, rehearsal studio uh, that we went to. Oh, my goodness. And just it felt like there was a thousand people there, you know, and to this day. And of course, it's because I I did that show for a year, you know, in in Europe, really. And it was just an astonishing, astonishing day. So many people, so many people lined up. They'd teach you a combination and then they'd walk through. You'd get in a big fat line, you know, and, yeah. and they'd say, stay, skip 10 people, stay, skip 10 people. You can stay, you can stay. And I, it just kept happening. Like all day long, kept happening and happening and happening, and and then they have you sing, and then they have you do more stuff. You you knew how it is, yeah. over and over and over again, and and just left, and they didn't tell anybody anything. And it was uh, uh, some time passed, probably a week or so passed, until um, I got a message from the fellow that was the casting guy and said, "We'd love for you to go on tour." It was just, and Michael, this was this was crazy. After my three months in the, the apartment in Queens, then my another friend that I had worked with in Canada had an apartment at 45th and, 49th and 8th Avenue, right on the corner, and he knew I was there. I'd seen him. He said, he got a show, and he goes, when is your sublet up? When are you leaving mm-hmm. that place? And I said, this date, and he goes, oh my God, that's like two days after I leave. Why don't you take my place? <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> there you go. Hell's Kitchen, 49th and 8th Avenue, you know, for... Yep. It was just perfect, and about the time he was going to get home was the time that I was going to leave on tour. So it just it just kept working out and working out. Mm-hmm. You were meant to be there. I was. Well, I was meant to be there so I could leave and go do tours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you remember, how, how long was the 42nd Street tour? How long were you over there? Oh my goodness. I really do think it was nine or ten months. Okay. It was a very long time. Right. We were in Germany a lot. Cologne, Berlin. Mm. We got to spend, I think it was weeks and weeks in Amsterdam, a little theater right outside of Amsterdam. It was really great. And I truly, man, I'd never really done a big giant show like that. And for a dancer, for an ensemble, if you get the opportunity to do the original production of 42nd Street, mm-hmm. choreography and everything, just jump at it, man. Yeah. You are busy the entire show. It's fun dancing. The story is silly and ridiculous. And it's just, uh, honestly, I just love that show so much. It's really great. 42nd Street opens. Like, third curtain rises on everybody doing is it everybody the doing entire time, the ensemble. ensemble doing time steps? Yeah, which I recall yeah. thinking to myself, "Oh my God, look how big this group of people is!" I really think the ensemble was like twenty plus people. Yeah, it was crazy, and the whole curtain lifts for about about two feet, and you and it starts just with the big feet. time step, yeah. and just okay. The, the best part of that whole thing was I got to be the boy in the front row, dead flat center. To start the opening number 42nd Street. And then about halfway in, you change lines and I had to go to the back line. But (laughs) just for that, imagine that as a kid from Kansas going to New York, all these things falling in line and then making the choice that when I get there, I want to do a European tour. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you about that. Why? But and then that happening and suddenly you're standing on stage in Berlin, in the State Theater in the Berlin, and that curtain goes up, and there you are, front and, front center. and center. It was astonishing. And it all started from a pair of brown slip-ons with taps from <laughs> a Goodwill. You know, like, really? Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. What a what a ridiculous story, honestly. It was really cool. That's the coolest thing about being in theater, too, is that you can travel. I mean, I always tell 
you know, any any young yeah. artist that it's like go go see the world if you can get a cruise ship or you can get you know a tour. And you're it's yes, take it, choose it, go. It's the best and get out and, and as we talked go, about before, go, go. go out and explore. Because the, honestly, that's really what theater is about. It you know, and people have their own choices and their own way of wanting to go about business and stuff. But I always thought I didn't care what was going to come along. I was going to do it. Yes, I want to do it. I'm in it to do it, so I'm going to do it. Whatever comes along, I audition, I get cast, I'm going to do it. You know, like people saying, well, I don't want to take that because it'll take me away from whatever, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. You know, and to me, it was kind of like, well, isn't that the point? You know, do it, get it, choose it, go, travel, experience the world, experience life. Get out there. Shuffle ball, change yourself around the world. Honestly. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Time step around the world. (laughs) So there was another show that was pretty popular around the same time, which was My One and Only. Was that also, yeah. did you do that? Was that a, a European tour as well? It was. It was. It's the, the original was with Tommy Toon and Twiggy, you yeah. know, and yeah. boy, talk about connections and really isn't life really about who you meet and you work with. There was a girl that danced in the dance company with me and she'd gone on to be uh, in Radio City and all, a lot of that stuff. But we learned a a big giant Lindy Hop number and she was my partner in the Lindy Hop and that was you know that dancing is one of those crazy dances where you like throw the girls in the air and they twip flip over in the air and they come down and grab your neck and fly around and anyway she was my partner in that and when I walked into the room for the one and only call she was standing there she was the assistant to the choreographer which like just made me so happy you're like okay it was really great but I mean you still had to audition you know it wasn't like she could just say you want the job so but I got I got that show too and it was in Europe as well and it was a kind of a small ensemble really I think there were six boys and six girls in it it's not like 42nd Street Mm -hmm. right right yeah short of the you know the principal characters and got to got to work with Jody Benson who was if you know that name you may not know that name but you certainly know the voice she was the voice of the Little Mermaid in the Disney cartoons and and I will say hello Jody if you're listening in California (laughs) as well but I will tell you you know, it, it was really the first time I'd ever been around someone that was truly an astonishing talent. Mm. Every time she opened her mouth, that voice was just like, you knew. it was yeah. the story of the Little Mermaid. Yeah. Just like, you know, it was just bell-like and beautiful and Crystal gorgeous. Clear. And goodness sakes, we'd stand outside the stage door sometimes during halftime or whatever, you know, and you could hear her up in her dressing room doing her little warm-ups and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and we would play with her sometimes. She'd be like, ha, 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 and we'd go, ha, 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 up and <laughs> down in the garage or, you know, down in the, the alley behind the theater or something, but... Just a lovely human being, beautiful voice, and her husband was on it. He played the opposite role of her in My One and Only, Ray Benson. Okay. So it was just, it was really a wonderful experience. It was so great. A smaller cast, a smaller mm-hmm. ensemble, fun music, Gershwin, of course, and just fun, fun, fun. And revisiting some places you had been? Yeah. 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 yeah we. It was the same kind of thing. We okay. mostly sat for weeks at a time. You know, so we didn't have to, goodness sakes, God love all those people that do one-nighters and split weeks and you're on a bus all night long and get off the bus the next day you're in a show and you get right back on the bus. You know, I was really blessed that we got to sit down places and got to experience the area, you know, the countries. That was really good. That's great. It's good. Um, you've talked earlier about, too, that you always sort of saw yourself as a director as well. Do you Do you remember that moment where you were like, I want to do this, I would like to direct maybe even be an artistic director yeah that really happened in college um 
when I would do shows, when I would be in shows, or I would be observing, and I would find myself thinking, you know, that would be funnier if mm-hmm. I'd be watching rehearsal, mm-hmm. or or why are they doing it this way, or you know what, you went out of the stage that way, you really should come back in because it's making me confused, like the continuity people on yes. TV, you know, <laughs> yes. like you're wearing the wrong <laughs> <Yes>. shirt, <laughs> that kind of stuff. That that really started me thinking, and because I was in such a small college in Iowa, really, I started getting this thought in my brain. I really need to experience as much theater as I can in as many places as I can. And for some reason, my brain thought, you need to, I, I want to do a European tour. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Europe. I want to experience theater there because I want to understand how theater works everywhere. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, it honestly kind of really works the same way everywhere. <laughs> you know, Of course, people are different and people have different ways of working and stuff. But just having that kind of a small brain in terms of not really having experienced all of that stuff. So I really wanted to experience it and think I just want to do as much as I possibly can, work with as many directors as I can, see what the process is, because yes. I knew there had to be a a way to do it, a process to do it, you know. And so that was that was really where it started, was in college. But you learned that theater was universal anywhere you traveled. I did. And, yeah. and theater people are universal, too, yeah. which was a very pleasant surprise, you know, to understand all that. And I remember um, being in Berlin with 42nd Street, and I, for some reason, I don't even know why, but took German in high school. What was I thinking? Like the hardest language in the world. I actually to... wish that I had taken German in high school. <sighs> no, you don't. <laughs> I think two years of French, I don't remember anything. But... Because here's the, here's the key to taking German in high school. You take three years and you think you can carry on a conversation uh-huh. and like ask where the bathroom is. You go outside the stage door at the State Theater in Berlin, sit down with all the crew and start talking German and they look at you and then one of them goes, why don't we speak English? Right. It'll be easier. <laughs> we know how to speak English. Yeah, yeah. We, we got it. We got you it. clearly do not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that um when did um because you were an artistic director for uh millbrook playhouse in millhall pennsylvania yes how does one go from <laughs> um touring around europe all these different shows and then realizing you know what i'm i'm interested in becoming an artistic director it comes with getting back off of tour um, and then um, paying attention to backstage newspaper, mm-hmm. which everybody got, of course, you know, back then. I don't know that it's still the gig. It probably is. but And seeing an ad for um, Millbrook Theater hiring directors for the summer. So sending off my stuff, sending off my resume and stuff. And that were that was in the days of no email. You know, we actually had to print it, do all that stuff and mail it. There, I'm dating myself. But they hired me one summer as a director, and I did uh, The Fantastics and Oklahoma. Again, Oklahoma's been a big part of my life. And then uh, the artistic director left for another gig, I think, and they liked my work so much that they asked me to interview for the position, and so the next summer I went back. No, the next summer they did not have a season. There was something that needed to be rebuilt or something in the theater, but then the, the summer after that, then they asked me to interview and they hired me. So your first directing experience was at Millbrook? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. That was the first time you directed? Yeah. And straight out of the fire, two shows later, you know, then uh, dear friends of mine, uh, Denise Warren was her name, and I think she's the costumer now at Olathe Shakes, uh, not Olathe, Orlando, Orlando Shakes. And um, I stayed on actually for a couple of months or after that. And as a visiting professor kind of person at Lock Haven University and mm. directed a play there, Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. And it was really cool and fun. And so then 
the next year I was at uh, Mil- Millbrook again. Millbrook's about to turn like 60. Isn't it one of the older? Yeah, it's, 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 I think it is now the oldest straw hat theater, meaning just oh, summer stock. You know, you're putting up six shows uh-huh. in a summer. You're rehearsing for four days. The show starts, and the minute the show starts, you start rehearsing the next one, and the cast just rotates through. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It's like complete theatrical abuse, I think, but really, really fun. <laughs> when we come back from our break, I want to hear what that's like okay. being an artistic director of a summer okay. straw hat summer stock company. We'll be right back with Tim Bear. And we're back with show people. And my guest today is producing artistic director of Theater in the Park. And this is Tim Bear. How you doing, Tim? Good. Good. How are you? Good. We're doing great. Our conversation has gone off the rails about 10 I'm times, I know. but loving it. I am <laughs> loving it. Um, we were just talking about being artistic director of Millbrook Playhouse. Challenges of being an artistic director... Not only being an artistic director, but being an artistic director of a straw hat summer stock company where we do where you do have to do you said how many shows? Oh gosh, five, six, seven, maybe. Right. Yeah. In fact, I think there may have been eight. This particular theater, and it's still there. Yeah. And they're still producing theater there. Um, grew out of an old milking barn. I didn't really know what that was, but clearly it's a barn for cows to get milked in. And that's really what it was. And so we did, there were two spaces in that theater, actually. One in the big barn, they changed that into a theater. And then there was a tiny little kind of side building kind of thing that I believe might have been a chicken coop or something, maybe. (laughs) Some kind of wild, no, some kind of farm animal lived in there. But they made two different spaces, so we did four upstairs and four downstairs. So... A, that's a challenge mm-hmm. because there was no heat or air conditioning, I believe, as I recall, in that space. So it, the water had to get turned off. It's frankly, it's much like theater in the park now. You know, the water gets turned off out there at a certain right. time and turned back on. But this particular barn um, enjoyed a lot of wildlife during the off season. So that was a really big challenge: is getting everybody moved out of the barn that mm-hmm. had moved in over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. It, the gig there was hire a core group of actors for the entire summer. So program a a season that has eight shows in it and then find a group of actors that can be all of the characters in all eight of those shows. Like, really? That's crazy. (laughs) There's the challenge. There's there's one of the challenges. Yeah, there's one of the challenges. You know, just crazy, but who's Ursula going to play in, you know, fill in the blank, the odd couple? I don't know. Who who is she going to (laughs) play? We're going to make it work. (laughs) We're going to make it work. So that was a really big, that was the challenge of it. You know, I have such great memories of it, though, because once that very first rehearsal started, you're, it didn't stop mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. the very last curtain of the very last show, mm-hmm. eight shows later. So it was constant. It was just next, 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 next. And the weird thing was is that all of those crew, those staff, those cast, everybody that came, we fed them. Every day, too. So there was a whole kitchen staff in the basement of this barn, you know, cooking up mac and cheese or whatever. I don't know, spaghetti red, fill in the blank, whatever. <laughs> Some bread and butter is crazy. But such a fun summer. My gosh, just like, especially for the, the people that were performing in that specific age group. We didn't have a lot of older people, of course, further in their career. It was, it's really, I think, meant for a beginning career kind of people to get a lot of experience, understand shows, the process, all that stuff. So it was, 
it, it was good. It but was it's also incredible fun. training ground for an artistic director too, because like you said, first rehearsal and then it is nonstop theater against all odds and how it all magically comes together in a short amount of time. Because again, you're rehearsing these shows, sometimes putting shows up in a, a week. week. A week, yeah. yes, because the show's only, as I recall, perhaps it's longer, but I remember it being, you would rehearse for a week fully. I mean, that was tech and everything. And then the show opened and would run for a week, and the next show was going to open, like, the next week. Yeah. It was wacko how fast it was. Just crazy. And then add to the mix, too, of course, all of the directors. Like, you wanted to get directors that would do more than one show, so you weren't paying a whole lot of people to come in like, you didn't want to pay eight people. You really wanted to pay five people right. and have them do, or four people, have them do two shows. Or, you know, so they were there and they knew the people and they could just jump straight into rehearsal for the next one. Well, the first year I was there and did Fantastics in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, those are two quite different shows. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, yep. plus, so that was even a challenge. As a director, like, you really had to be organized and really had to understand what you wanted to do. You know, the production meetings now that happen, you know, if you're in a big show at Theater in the Park, they're months ahead of time. Right. You know, you're talking about scenic and costumes and props. And, boy, there it was like, okay, we've got 45 minutes. We're going to talk about every single thing. Go. That was it. You know, the end of it. So it was great training. And it was great training for me, too, really. Program a season. Understand the season. Make sure every the resources are there available for everybody. It is a it is a challenge, but I have great memories of it. Yeah, really fun. And Pennsylvania is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. I'm trying to where is where in Pennsylvania is Mill Hall? It's kind of uh, mid, yeah, mid Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah. a little closer to East Side maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. But Kind of right in the middle of the state, up and down uh-huh. middle. Okay. It's really it's really a very very pretty town. Lock Haven University's there. Yeah, Mill Hall's right there. Okay. It's really pretty. How long were you at Millbrook? Two years. Two years. Yeah. And then my partner and I at the time decided he was, um, he at the time was the marketing person at Paper Mill Playhouse and made some connections. And then shortly after that, I think, as I recall now, he uh, got a gig in Arizona. So we moved to Phoenix, Phoenix. Arizona. And I think we were there for four years, three or four years and loved it. Loved the desert. Loved the the world there. Yeah. Um, And I had done graphic design a lot of my life. And some of my part-time, I'm off tour, I need a gig jobs, was working at ad agencies in New York. Um, So, you know, the actor fill in the real life gig, kind of making rent and that kind of stuff. So I had that experience and started doing theatrical art. There's a company in New York called Arts Power. I believe Arts Power Touring Theater. They do children's theater and they tour all over the country. Yeah. And so I started doing theater art stuff for them poster their show art and all that kind of stuff and helping them you know with that kind of business and did a little bit for paper mill and just carried on and did a lot of that too to kind of help supplement income and then we were in phoenix and i kept doing that and i directed a show down there for actors theater phoenix called tapestry which is the carol Carol king King show show, yes uh before before the carol king show now um Mm. but it was just a lot of her songs and stuff and did that there and Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park did that when I was growing up, Tapestry, mm. and I, I it was great. It was like so a great, great pretty. show. Yeah, so pretty. Yeah. Just six people in it, I think, maybe yeah. small cast, but Carol King's Greatest Hits mm-hmm. was really good. Tapestry. And then after that, some connections that we made in Jersey connected us to California, and we both we just left. We went to California, and that was American Musical Theater time out there, and gigantic theater, like the polar opposite of 
Mil- Milbert Playhouse. It yeah. was just gigantic, you know, million dollar budgets and big, big, big giant house and union contracts yes. and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, interestingly, all of those connectors, all of that theater works the same way wherever you go. It's just true. Yes. Either your dollars are bigger or they're not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the magic is in some way the same. The storytelling, it's all about the play, really. So, you know, the actors, the directors, the staff, the creative staff, all of that, it just, it is the same. You can up your production value with a big fat checkbook, of yes, course. Can. But, <laughs> yes, can. And that's always nice. <laughs> yes, but, right, yeah. right. It feels like everything has just totally worked the way it was supposed to for you. And I think it's just sort of natural that in 2010, theater in the park led you back right? home. Make no mistake. You know, my years in New York City as an actor, you know, as a singer, a dancer, there were times when I would call my mom and say my favorite food growing up, one of my favorite foods was hominy. Do you know about hominy? It's like you know, the, the grits, the hominy. Yeah, hominy, the hominy grits. Yeah. And she'd say, how are you doing? And, I said, and I'd say, well, I've eaten ramen noodles for yeah. three or four days. Yeah. And then, you know, four or five days later, I'd get a whole case of hominy. <laughs> cans, you know, 24 cans of hominy, exactly. which frankly Not probably cost her $1,000 to send. Just the, to the send. stupid right. thing weighed so much. Like she could have just sent cash. I don't know, but <laughs> hominy would show up anyway. Um, so yeah, no, and but she, that's what we do, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's exactly yeah. Oh. And I I left um, American Musical Theater, and um, after some time, they'd gone through some financial craziness, and the company got weird, and I don't know. Another story eventually for another story for a whole another hour. Yes, yes. But after that, I got a job with um, Apple Computer as a creative and at the time that job meant that people would buy apple computers and not quite know how to use them and so i was my gig was teaching them how to use the creative software Uh inside apple computers like imovie and you know design stuff like that so frankly it was you know sitting with people for an hour giggling and showing them how to make movies Mm, on a mac right (laughs) which Uh was really great and i loved it and i still use you know that kind of software and stuff today but my sister called me, um, she still lives here, and she just, as a kind of an aside, she goes, oh my God, I just saw in the paper or someplace that Theater in the Park is looking for a new producer. I think you should apply. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, my dad still lived here. He was he was here then and he was still alive then he wasn't he wasn't doing terribly well but he wasn't terrible but the rest of my family was here and 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 that was kind of a post breakup you know i'd been kind of i'd been single for two or three years at that time me and the maltese charlie yes so and loving california loving working at apple so it was just it really was kind of a just a fluke and i said oh okay i will and so i went online that night and just kind of filled out the application and and as I recall, like the next day, I got a call and said, hi, uh, can you come interview for this producer position at Theater at the Park? And I said, um, well, when do you want me to come? Well, how about tomorrow? Now. <laughs> I'm remembering the story. You know, I'm trying to remember it. When do, you, when, uh, when do you want me to come? Well, how's tomorrow? Oh, well, I have to work tomorrow. How about the next day? Okay, what time would you like to get here? Well, I'll come, but I have to come in the morning. And then when the interview's done, I have to fly back then because I have to work the next day. <laughs> and they were all like, you know, it was just like, it was like, well, yeah, I'll do it. But, you know, and plus you have to give me a cheese sandwich. I don't know. Thank you. It was just so bizarre. And they were like, okay. And so I did. 
And I came and had a brilliant interview. It was lovely, had so much fun. Some of the members of the Theater Advisory Council, like one of them said something about, you grew up here. And I said, yeah, I went to high school at Wyandotte. And he said, oh, I went to Bishop uh, Bishop mm-hmm. Ward. And I said, oh, my God, we used to kick your butts in basketball all the time. <laughs> you know, it was, just cl- it was just sweet and conversational and wonderful. And I flew home. And the next morning, um, she called me and she said, we'd like you to come. Oh. Once again, Michael, it was just like, yeah, you know, thanks, mom. How hard can it be? I don't know. Show up, maybe. And you must have known that you still had contacts there, too. There were still people that were working at Theater in the Park that you probably knew. Well, there were a couple. One one woman especially has been at Theater in the Park for a number of years. Her name is Mary Eads. Mm -hmm. She's kind of the administrative uh, person inside admin, the big admin building and stuff. And I recall that she was there when I was still there, too. But really, I think she was really the, the one that I recalled like Mary and I showed up for the interview she met me at the door and handed me print offs from the printer of pictures of shows that I'd been in it's so oh. nice to see you again like are you kidding oh my gosh Mary Eads and she's still at Theater in the Park I mean she's still at JCPRD wow it's cool wow wow wow, wow. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to have you back to talk more about <laughs> Theater in the Park of course but um, you know coming back and, and, and working at Theater in the Park what are your dreams for the future? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm getting close to that time when you can start thinking about maybe at some point in your life, maybe retiring, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, five or six, seven years down the road. So my gig right now is really about the long-term vision for theater in the park right. and really setting that up for the next 50 years. I mean, we're in our 53rd year now. I started at Theater in the Park. Theater in the Park gave me so much. I have been able to do what I've done in my life because of that time. And so I'm I'm really focused on, okay, what do we do well? What do we not do well? What can we make bigger? What can we make better? What can we improve? What programs can we add? How can we do more outreach in our community? What can we do to ensure the long-term legacy of Theater in the Park? That's what I want my legacy to be, is mm-hmm. that it's set up and 50 years from now, someone goes, wow, that group of people did it right. Here we are 50 years later looking at whatever, you know. And I absolutely know that that's how it's going to be. Well, they, thank you. They're very, very so. lucky to have you. And You're it's, sweet. It's been uh, great having you today here on Show People. Thank you for having me. Tim, we'll, we'll have you back, definitely. Thanks for being here. <laughs>